Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin Combs, Vice President here at McKinney Favelle. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Today, I'm taking over the mic for our fearless leader, Mike Coughlin. And uh, with me, I have our very own edible oil export guru and Vice President of Information Services, Nicole Thomas. How are you doing, Nicole? I am great, Kevin. You know I'm great? Because you are the edible oils champion here and you are busier than <laughs> anybody else here. I'm great because it's Friday and oh. I'm the edible oils champion and I'm busier than, well, everybody's busy. Everybody's busy right now, but you know, just for my, I care more about how I'm impacted. Come on. Human nature. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So obviously these markets are heating up almost mm-hmm. as much as my Golden State Warriors who Woo-hoo! are playing tonight. And we know everyone's rooting for them. And I'm really, yes. really happy that Mike is not on here to, uh, <laughs> jinx, to, it. to jinx it. Yeah, so. uh, you're right. He, he would root for them and surely you, they would lose. They would lose as soon as he predicted they were going to win. It was all over. So we we can, (laughs) we can do there, but uh, you've had two games for uh, Boston and Miami series. Who you got? Uh, I got Boston. Got Boston. I got, I got Boston and the Warriors in the finals. There you go. go. And I'm not going to ask you beyond that because I don't want to hear in case you say the wrong thing. Okay. We'd have to to cut the the podcast short and end it right there. Yep. That's a safe approach. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, certainly the markets are going. We got planning taking place and uh, still getting some some wet weather up in the northern portion of the Midwest. What uh, what are you watching and and what's got your attention on the edible oils markets? Well, you know, um, obviously there's been a lot going on really for the last two years. Uh, So, you know, I'll start by saying, you know, typically analysts don't necessarily like to look back at what their past projections were, you know, don't necessarily be held accountable for, for an opinion that may go one way or the other. Well, going back two years ago, I'm pretty certain you wouldn't have said 80 cents for soybean oil. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have said 80 cents a year ago. I may have said 70, maybe. Well, we were, we were in route at that point this year, early on, I thought 70, I would not have said 80 or 85 or 86, however far up there we've gotten. But I took a listen to the last podcast we did that was focused on oils. Now it's back in the middle of February. And we were talking about USDA numbers for global soybean stocks for 21-22 and that they were way too high at more than 95 million metric tons at the time. You looked at the uh, May Wasdy just, just released uh, not too long ago. And that was down by about 10 million tons to 85 million. We back then were also talking about the impact of Indonesian policy on the market. Hmm. Yeah. That hasn't really been impactful, right? Not at all. And then some external factors. I mentioned things could get weird and counter to sort of the historical behavior of the market where higher interest rates lead to a stronger dollar that then leads to weaker commodities. And here we are a couple months later. The dollar is incredibly strong, yet the commodity prices are too. 
And we continue to see sort of that flight to commodities from the stock market, how long it lasts, who knows, but we're definitely seeing it. But besides uh, pat myself on the back, because you're supposed to be your own biggest advocate, I really wanted to go down that memory lane so we can kind of, you know, see what has happened and segue into what may come. So let's start with soybean oil and a few things to watch in the coming weeks. Number one, final soybean acreage in the U.S. is worth mentioning that, as you alluded to earlier, Kevin, corn planting progress has been behind where we were at 49% as of May 15th. That was still behind the five-year average of 67% and uh, last year's 78% completion rate at this point. And we got a weather forecast that's reasonably mixed, I guess, where portions of the belt are getting a couple of dry days followed by a couple of wet days. We've seen a decent amount of that. And then up north in the northern portions of the belt, not only are they dealing with, you know, too much moisture, it's also chilly, (laughs) which doesn't help with, you know, getting the soil dried down. So for, you know, corn that is already planted, the weather's probably been pretty good. The problem has been getting uh, what's left in the ground. So we'll follow that. And let's not let's not forget about snow in May in Colorado. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I had to north. take a double take at that news alert. <laughs> like, am I misreading this? And then a second one came out with a snowflake on it because you know these days we need pictures. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. But that that's what we're dealing with. So even with the soybean to corn ratio that's currently at 2.08, which would be extremely favorable to corn plantings. We're going to have to really watch closely the impact of this, these late plantings in that it may prevent too much in the way of additional acreage uh, for corn and potentially limit any loss in that soybean acreage projected at about 91 million earlier this year. Then we also have our, so- our soybean oil stocks domestically, domestically are starting to tighten and will likely tighten additionally in the coming months. Uh, I think we are really going to start feeling the effects of this canola oil scenario or lack thereof, I guess, in the market and arguably already seeing a little of that with it getting a bit more challenging to get those quotes. Monthly Canadian oil production uh, is still well below normal. In March, it was down 26 percent versus 2021. Year to date production was down 27 percent. And then also in terms of demand, soybean oil exports have uh, picked up quite a bit. Current commitment at about 85% of the 21-22 projection of, of 1.725 billion pounds. And that that was something we talked about earlier this year too, that that number might be a little low and, and we're inching up. And then, you know, renewable diesel and biodiesel and energy policy, both domestically and abroad. So we're, we're currently running at about 800 million pounds of soy oil use per month for biodiesel and through April, our marketing year usage is around 5 billion pounds. So climbing there as well. So the bottom line is we saw stocks, you know, kind of drop considerably from their peak in February to April, you know, year over year, they're still higher, about six, almost 7% higher, but we'll really want to keep a close watch on those numbers for May, June, uh, and July, because I think that's really where we're going to, you know, start to see it coming down, uh, quite a bit, uh, relative to, to recent history as well. So then let's talk canola. 
You know, obviously lots of attention on the upcoming Canadian crop. We know we're going to get less acreage. The, the plantings numbers were down. We're just hoping for good yields. Uh, and ultimately, you know, even with fewer acres, we get good yields. We should get much better, ultimately much better canola oil production than what we've had for the 21-22 year. And then there's something to be said about global demand. Uh, again, energy policy could come into play here and how governments, particularly in Europe, grapple with that food versus fuel usage, which leaves a, a big, you know, sort of unknown of a cloud over everything in terms of, of what impact that's going to have. News that just came out recently, China lifted its restriction on imports of canola seeds that have been ongoing for years. And it may not mean much to the current crop year, but uh, because <laughs> you, we just don't have much in the way of canola seed out of, out of Canada for them. But it definitely adds to the attention on the need for a sharp rebound in Canadian production this year uh, for the 22-23 crop year. Uh, and speaking of, you know, kind of counter that, we also got to consider China's canola crop for 2022 because they're anticipating a pretty big crop, somewhere between 6.5 to 6.8 million tons, uh, at least as some of the early projections. So we'll, we'll see there. And then for palm. Uh, <laughs> flip-flop, flip-flop. So, Kevin, I have decided that I'm going to make a list of countries that regularly ruin my day. And right now, there's only two. <laughs> <laughs> only two that produce palm oil in a big way. Uh, well, there's only two that uh, have created uh, near daily headaches <laughs> for some sort of oil market. And in Indonesia has made that list. Uh, so uh, let, let's talk about our flip-flop this week. So yesterday, we we get news that Indonesia is going to end its ban on exports. And the market goes, hooray. Hooray. And we get pressure on soybean oil, on palm oil. All is right with the world. And then this morning, Indonesia says, yeah, but we're still keeping 10 million tons of production here. And the market goes, <laughs> So... <laughs> <laughs> it, yep. I don't know what's more volatile, the oil market or their policy decisions, because they're both very, very uh, up and down in nature. And now the, the good news, though, is that 10 million pounds or excuse me, 10 million tons amounts to less than about 25 percent of their anticipated production, probably falls a little closer to 23 percent. And that falls uh, is worth mentioning because this is the other question a lot of people have asked. It falls under their threshold of storage capacity of around 33 percent of production. Yeah. So in theory, they can maintain that piece of the policy. And what I'm hoping is that because it's, you know, we're not talking about all production anymore. There's one of those things where it's bullish the market in terms of price, but not necessarily bullish in terms of lack of supply. So yeah, well, aren't you just glad they're not on Twitter? I know. <laughs> <laughs> then they could tank the palm oil. <laughs> they could tank the palm oil market, you know, by saying clever things. Yeah. So yes, we should all be thankful they're not on Twitter as we do a lot of folks. So Malaysian production on that palm oil story, Malaysian production has been weakening instead of strengthening too. In April, production was down 4% versus 2021. We do not need to see that. Nope. Now, 
as it stands currently, stocks still look better than year ago levels. They were at 1.64 million tons, and that was up about 6% from, from 2021. However, that is also indicative of very weak export demand in April. The exports fell for March and year over year, and arguably those April exports were feeling some of its uh, some of that pressure from a relatively uh, quiet Chinese market as the COVID lockdowns were in full effect at that at that point. So again, just like we're looking at those NOPA reports for for soy oil stocks over the next few months, we're going to be watching closely Malaysian reporting for May and June. As, and, and they're probably going to be big market movers, uh, adding either upside or downside volatility, depending on what they say. And, you know, I don't, whether there's any pent up, whether there's any pent up demand from China or not. Yeah, exactly. Or was Ex- the volume lost? Uh, exactly. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that plays out in the in the next in the next month or so, I think. And then lastly, uh, for the palm stuff. So if you're thinking longer term, <laughs> I wouldn't even say this is a, a, a nearby factor directly anyway, but of course, you know, the next discussion point in the next six to 12 months is going to be El Nino since we're, you know, right now we're still, we're come, we're edging out of La Nina, but next year, the probability of a swing towards it increases as does the potential for pressure on palm oil production in Southeast Asia. And I only mention that because it is pretty critical that we get good, strong production over the next few months out of Southeast Asia as we increase seasonally, because we will need that to start really building stocks to be able to offset when when that that uh, weather phenomenon comes into play or climate phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, comes into play <laughs> next year. I think we want to call it. Girls are good and boys are bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I have a saying that about simple, sums right? it up. Yeah, 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 that works. So, bottom line is, there's no shortage of things to watch out for in the coming weeks. You know what's new, and didn't get deep into sunflower and safflower. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We'll have a a guest on that's going to give us a little more insight there too. That'll be cool for people to check out. And you know, if you're having any issues sourcing anything, canola palm on the west coast <laughs> anything sunflower safflower organic uh give us a call and, and we'll see what we can do to help you out sounds like a winner chicken dinner <laughs> they're much more expensive <laughs> they're much more expensive <laughs> and going up all right well thanks nicole that was a great uh, recap hope you all found that uh, fascinating as well and if you have any questions you know don't hesitate to reach out to your McKinney Favell rep as we have lots of ideas and how we can help you uh, in the edible oils as well as all the other commodity markets. Just want to also remind people here next Wednesday, uh, May 25th, I believe we have episode three of our hot new ingredients webinar series. That's going to be covering eggs, the keto diet and GMO foods. Eggs. Eggs. You should tune in if nothing else than eggs. There you go. I mean, that's a fun one too. That's a fun one. And it you know, all relates to everything we just talked about on the grains markets too. So yep. anyway, that wraps up our weekly hot commodity podcast. Hope everybody has a great weekend and thank you for listening in. As Mike always says, live with an attitude of gratitude until next time. Take care. See you folks. 
That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.